If you're a guest with us, it is wonderful to be in the Word of God together. And, and uh, you know, some of you are out there trying to tempt me this morning with your Seahawks gear on, but I refuse to pay attention to that this morning. <laughs> I don't want to be anxious, right? It says, don't be anxious about anything. I got to practice what I preach. So, but anyway, Second Peter, those that are guests with us, we're in Second Peter. We've been walking our way through and studying it. So we are held captive by God's word. We're not looking for certain things to talk about other than just proclaiming God's word and his truth and learning together. And so we are in Second Peter chapter 2. We get to start a new section this morning. And so I trust that uh, you are as excited as I am. We will be spending probably a few months talking about this idea of false teachers. What does that mean? Who are they? What are their characteristics? Why is it important? And we can answer this question, beware of false teachers because why? Why should we be weary? Why should we identify? Why should we know about and how can we do that? And so um, that's what we want to do. And we want to not skip over something that Christ himself proclaimed. In Matthew 7, you see the importance of not being led astray from what God intends. To be led astray from the Lord and, and just to follow anybody. And he says we'll know them by their fruit. The other one is Paul proclaims. Uh, be weary of false teachers. And he told the elders, he said, look, they're going to rise up from among you. They're going to be around you. They're going to enter in. Be weary. Look out for false teaching. And now Peter. So we went from Jesus, Paul, and now Peter proclaiming, be weary of false teachers. So we are going to now again walk slowly through this, this process of identifying and talking through and bringing up subjects that might be uncomfortable for some, but we want to stay true to Scripture and let God speak from His Word and not from, from us. And so I invite you to, to pray with me and not only pray with me as we ask God to teach us from His Word, but also to pray for Jim as he has his procedure tomorrow and, and pray for those that are uh, getting done with procedures and, and I know there's others that are entering in to procedures, but pray for Jim. This is a, it's not always easy as you get older to go in and have uh, more and more procedures. Praise the Lord for his wife, that she is recovering well from her broken legs, and, and, uh, but pray for Jim as he has struggled with health, and so we want the Lord uh, to bless them during this time that could be kind of anxious tomorrow. So let's pray for Jim and pray for our hearts to be ready to receive God's word. Lord, we thank you for this precious time. Lord, it is precious to be in your presence, to open up your very word, to read it, to, to talk about it, to explain it, to, to Lord, to, in a way, as we studied this morning in Sunday school, to eat your word, to partake of it, to, to find great joy in the nourishment in the strength of your word. And I pray, Lord, that's what it would do. And, and that we would take this time to really be nourished and that we would be excited about understanding these things. And so, Lord, 
I pray that as we talk about such a serious topic, that you would guard our hearts and our minds, that we would not become anxious or we would not become judgmental, but Lord, that we would stay true to our relationship with you and that our love for you would grow more and more as a body of Christ together. That we would be defined not by this world, but by Christ. That we would reflect the very image of that which you did for us when you died on the cross for our sins. And may we make the gospel plain, the good news that you came to die to be the sacrifice for our sins. May we rejoice together, never losing focus of reflecting that great truth, that which you've done for us. And so, Lord, we just ask all these things that you would just bless and encourage those that are struggling with health, that you would raise them up, Lord. Help them not to be anxious, but to be filled with joy because of your presence. And Lord, thank you for all that you have gifted us with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Second Peter chapter 2, we, this is, some of us are excited about this section. Some of us may not be excited about this section. All of us have different things that we enjoy. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I like reading warning labels. Sometimes they're funny. It's sometimes they're not so funny. They're like, whoa, I need to be careful. Sometimes it's like, well, duh. You know, have you ever read the warning labels on ladders? It's, they, are, they are just, it's like you'd think that people would know these things, right? Don't lean a ladder against a power line, right? But they, that's on the warning label of a ladder because obviously somebody did it. Like on cups of coffee, you know, warning label, this contains hot liquid, right? And if you order something hot, you would hopefully understand that it's hot. But we don't always get the warning or we don't always perceive the warning. We don't always understand the, 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 the importance of the warning. This is a section of we have just spent so much time looking at what we have, the foundation of our faith, At the end of chapter 1, Peter lays out the foundation of our faith, which is the inspired Word of God. We have the foundation. We have God's Word. We have everything we need in life. Praise the Lord. Right? He lays it all out. He knows that he is about to pass off the scene. He's about to die. And he wants his readers to stand firm in the truth. He says, I'm going to keep reminding you. This is the truth. 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 Right? How do you know it's counterfeit? You study the truth. That way, when you see counterfeit, you recognize counterfeit. But he also knows that he's going to repeat the truth, repeat the truth, because he knows that false teachers, false prophets, false Contrary to the Lord, people are going to come in to drag people away from the love of God, to drag people away from knowing God, from understanding God. And he begins chapter 2 by contrasting that which is true to that which is false. By the way, it's very interesting that in chapter 2 of Second Peter, 
there are no direct commands. It's very interesting. We, we've seen all of these commands through Scripture. Do this, do this, do this. Follow this. This is true. All of these commands. But rather, Peter just describes the false teachers and their evil ways. It's pretty amazing. This whole chapter is descriptive. It's a warning label. It's beware. Understand who this is. We're going to go through a lot of the characteristics over the next few weeks. What they look like. Why would we spend all that time doing that? Because we want to focus on the authenticity of Christ. To know Him. To behold Him. We don't want to be focused on that which is not true. And so it is very important. And we want to answer this question. Is there a problem? Do you see a problem? I don't know. Do you see a problem? I see sheep. There is a problem, right? I watched a show this week, and they were taking care of sheep, and they were a lot of problem. They broke into a guy's feed barn and ate all his feed. It was... It wasn't pretty, by the way. They, all the sheep that broke into the feed barn and ate all the feed, like 300 pounds worth of feed, they all died. Yeah, sheep are crazy. They don't know when to quit. When they smell something sweet, kind of like a donut, they go all in. Yeah, so I see sheep. What else do you see? Ooh. The problem is we don't see the teeth, do we? So I know Kelsey's looking at that and saying, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I look at that. I've seen a wolf up close and personal. When I lived in Alaska, there are still wolves around and some places in... in uh, it's a gorgeous animal, just absolutely beautiful, right? Unless you see them in springtime, they're just kind of disgusting because uh, they've had a hard winter. But beautiful. But they kind of blend in, don't they? Yeah, if you know what to look for, wrong nose, Right? Can't really quite see the eyes. Ears are up instead of out. Right? He kind of stands out when you start to look at the characteristics of the wolf. The problem is, is wolves can blend into their environment very well. Wolves, as Jesus proclaimed, blend in to the church environment extremely well. Beware, because they wear sheep's clothing. There is a problem. There is a problem. And here's the deal. Beware of false teachers because they leave a trail of spiritual devastation in their wake. If you know anything about wolves, right? Wolves often kill for pure pleasure. Often. They will take a snack and leave the whole carcass behind. That's wolves. Wolves like blood. Wolves will lick the blood and then leave the dead animal sitting there. It sounds disgusting and it is horrible. But they leave. A pack of wolves can decimate flocks overnight. Because once they get a taste for blood, they just keep killing. They're not eating. They're just killing. And this is important to understand. This is what God said to beware of. Beware of wolves. There is 
a problem. And we need to be aware of it. We need to understand what God is saying. So let's read 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when they brought a flood upon the world of ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. If he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, and he goes on and on. If he did all of that, then how much will he do to the false teachers? He goes on and describes the false teachers over and over and he gives you illustration after illustration of the destructiveness and also the fact that God takes false teaching seriously. Is there a problem? Yeah. John MacArthur says this in his um, commentary. He says, Nothing is more wicked than for someone to claim to speak for God speak for God to salvation of souls when in reality he speaks for Satan to the damnation of souls. And he's talking about those who promote heresy, those that promote false teaching. I'll I'll never forget the night I got a knock at the door at 2 o'clock in the morning at a young man who was vehemently angry at God. And I said, why are you so angry? And he goes, I was told I was saved and that God loved me, but I don't feel like it. I was like, what? I was just like, okay, so what's going on? And he says, well, we were at this event, and, and they said if I stood up and I came forward, God would save me, and, and that he would love me, and that my whole life would change. And he said, the whole month, it's been worse than it was before I even got, you know, got saved. And I said, do you know what being saved means? No. Do you know what you got saved from? No. Do you know why? Jesus died? No. He was just told that God loved him. And he was angry. So I just kept asking question after question after question. And eventually, after reading a lot of scripture, he's like, they didn't tell me any of this. This is amazing. And he fell in love with the Lord and he got saved. And his life changed. There are people out there that are promoting things that seem godly. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. And we need to be aware of it. And they promote a lot of things. And what it does is it distracts people from the reality of who Jesus and who God really is. And this is what Peter is now discussing with the church. They bring spiritual devastation 
in their wake. They hurt people. They hurt themselves. They hurt people. It's amazing. There's, uh, if you guys remember Rob Bell, who used to preach and teach, and he, used to, he got a whole bunch of people to follow him, and he had this wonderful material for youth groups, and he wrote all of this stuff, and then he decided, he said, I am going to debunk all of the theology of Scripture. I thought it was a joke. You know, have you seen those, they call them memes, and they say, you know, the Babylon Bee or whatever, and they joke about funny things. I thought it was a joke, but it was an actual article where this once preacher who, who grew this mega church now is trying to tear down who God is. That's his purpose. He's now centered out of San Diego, living life large with his millions that he made. And he's trying to tear down, and he's sad. He's sad. He's depressed. He said, God doesn't do anything for me and, and he, he, he should read his article. His goal in life is to tear down the Lord. And it's, it's sad what happens and this is who God is telling us to beware of. Peter's saying this. He says, give us, he gives us seven reasons to beware of false teachers. Now, we're going to go back over these verses because there's too much here for us to cover in one time. But I want you to see seven things. And the first one is this. Beware of false teachers because they are a perpetual threat to God's people. A perpetual threat. I don't notice if you notice this, but there are two different time frames in verse 1. Look at it. It says, but false prophets also arose among the people. That's past tense. Just as there will be false teachers among you, now and, that's also present, and into the future. Do you see something there? When are we going to be free of false teachers? Not until we get to heaven. God will set everyone straight. I know that there might be a few crooked spots in my theology somewhere, and God's going to hammer that out. And uh, we're all going to be straightened out. But there's going to, there are going to be no worry, no problems with false teachers but right now from the past in the old testament you see the stories of the false teachers the false prophets who had no intention of glorifying the lord who had no intention of talking about christ and all they did was was pull people away from the lord and now he says there's going to be even some among you there's going to be perpetual we're we should always be aware one of the things i realized i i had to work through anxiety at home when I started getting animals on my property. I was always, you know, those coyotes, they're loud at night. And I don't sleep all that great when I hear noises. I hear everything that happens. Anytime my kids wake up, anytime they turn on a light, anytime, and we we have floors that creak. Baby powder works really good, by the way, on squeaky floors. So, <laughs> but I hear everything, and it wakes me up. And Man, I tell you what, nothing gets me going in, than hearing at 2 o'clock in the morning than hearing a pack of coyotes. And then if I hear the pig or a cow, moo, or oink. By the way, the pigs don't really oink. They just bark and scream. <laughs> scream louder than my kids. I, I know that's hard to believe, but they do. It hurt your ears, and I hear that, and the first thing I do is I reach for a gun and I run outside, and sure enough, there are coyotes at the pens. 
The problem is, is when we're not aware, right? Now, my, I've been able to sleep a little bit better. I realize that, uh, that uh, I've put up some more wiring, I've put up some more defense, I've put up some more... I'm like, okay, there are coyotes, there's animals, and nothing scared me more than the day I turned around and started heading down gyms at night, and I came, there was a bear. I was like, holy cow, <laughs> that's not a coyote. No wonder my dog came running back. Now here the thing is, is are we aware that there are going to be per- perpetual teachers, wolves, dressed in sheep's clothing, distracting us from the beauty of God's gift to us. Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. It started in Genesis. Did God really say? Do you know how many times I hear that phrase with a lot of teachers of the Bible today? Oh, well, God really didn't mean that. This is what he really meant. And it's not anywhere close to what the Bible actually says. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, Moses warned Israel about false, false prophets. He saw it as a severe threat. In verses 6 through 10, he talks about it. And he says, rather, you must not have pity on them. It's amazing how many times people have pity on those who would take and distract people from God's word and Christ. But we must expose them, it says. It's also very significant that Peter said that they would come from among you. Did you see that? False teachers don't just arise from outside the church. They often come from inside the church. In fact, in Acts, Paul warned the Ephesians. He says, in verse 29 to 30, he says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will rise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. It's scary when you see it. Many times in churches like ours, we haven't seen it happen. I saw it one time, and it was scary. We had a lot of el- we had ro- ro- raised up a lot of elders in our church, and it was I had to hold them back. They want, they were trying to, you know, protect the church, and they were going a little bit strong. I was like, okay, it's okay, you know, don't beat them to death. <laughs> but we had a guy that grew up, that came up in the church. He, I want to help. I want to serve. I want to grow. I want to become an elder. I want to. I mean, he was saying all the right things. He was serving. He was doing everything. You know, he'd come in and clean the toilets, you know, and, uh, and he looked the part. He was like a servant, right? And next thing you know it, he's digging up dirt on every single leader in the church. I mean, he had books trying to find any legal way he could kick the leaders out of the church. Paul said they're going to come from among. They do. Sometimes they do. He was a dear friend. And it happens. It's amazing. J.C. Ryle, an amazing 19th century bishop, and they called him bishops back then. He was an elder, pastor. He wrote this. He said, Controversy in religion is a hateful thing, you know, fighting amongst ourselves about which theology is right. 
He says, he goes on to say, it is hard enough to fight the devil, the world, and the flesh without private uh, differences in our own camp. But there is one thing which is worse than controversy, and that is false doctrine tolerated, allowed, and permitted without protest. And he goes on to say, three things there are which men never ought to trifle with or play with. A little poison, a little false doctrine, by doctrine is teaching, and a little sin. Never should play around with a little sin, a little false teaching, and a little poison. It may be little, but it'll grow. So just because someone claims to be an evangelical or claims to love the Lord, he can speak well, he can talk well. Just because he seems sound, beware. Jesus said they will be known by their fruit. By the way, that's why Paul told Timothy, don't raise up leaders quickly. Let them produce fruit first. He goes on to say in our text, he says, Beware of the false teachers because of their methods are subtle and deceptive. Right? They're wolf in sheep's clothing. They don't look like wolves. They're subtle and deceptive. Peter says these false teachers will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Verse 1. Secretly. In verse 3, he says they'll introduce false words. Have you ever noticed that false teachers or people that are taking you away from the Bible say, well, that's not really what that word means. I'm like, really? I had one guy go so far to say that, well, the, the original church fathers didn't believe this. I said, okay. So I said, well, we pulled out the writings and we read through it. And I said, it says right here, oh, well, that word doesn't really mean that. And I said, well, let's go to the Greek then. And so we pulled out the original Greek language and I said, well, that word only means this. And he's like, oh. But he says, but that's not really what it means. He was so crazy. They argue about words. Do you know in verse 3, if you look at it, it says, and they're greed and they will exploit you with false words. Do you know what that false words in the Greek is? It's where we get the word plastic. How many of you like to buy, you know, do we buy plastic cars? We don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want a plastic truck. You know, Josiah might want a plastic truck, but I want a steel truck that I can dent and then knock the dent back into place. I want something that's going to last. The Greek word for false means made up or fabricated. You get the idea? They're subtle, they're deceptive, they're going to make up, they're going to twist things, and they're going to fabricate it to their own greed and pleasure. In fact, that's what Peter was describing and what he was dealing with when he got to 2 Peter chapter 2 or chapter 1 and verse 16. If you go back and you look at verse 16, he says this, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths. Hey guys, it's not made up. We didn't fabricate this out of thin air. By the way, in the Greek word translated secretly introduced means to bring from outside. 
One of the scariest things that happened to churches is that the church, and we, we love good things, we like good things, and we see good things, and we see things that people like, and we say, oh, look at all those things that the people like, and it's good, and we bring it into the church without knowing whether it's really right or not. It happens all the time with books and videos and music. Wow, that's beautiful. It must be good. So we bring it in. But a lot of it's plastic. Rob Bell looked amazing. Uh, I, my, my, my brother and sister-in-law, they, they've since they've apologized. Like, whoa, man, I didn't realize how bad he really was. Time tells. And they gave it, they were like promoting it, and they're like, oh yeah, we love it, we use it in our youth group, and we use all this material, and, and blah, 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 and they were just pumping him up, and within two years, he started writing the strangest books. And they're like, we don't know what's happening, but this is not who we first were introduced to. And we see it all the time. Something that looks good gets brought in. It's deceptive. False teachers often use scripture, but they twist it by bringing teaching from outside the church to inside the church. It's deceptive. Beware. Looks are deceiving, right? Guys, if you go on a date with a girl, don't judge them by the first date. It looks are. That's what my, my, brother, my mother and father-in-law told me this. They sat me down in Olive Garden after we got engaged and said, looks are deceiving. Let me tell you who she really is. <laughs> and she shrunk in her seat. I was like, I stood up. I was like, whoo, this is not about me. <laughs> I was like, I'm getting ready for the, you know, this is my daughter, you know. But we already had that talk about a, six months prior to this. But I could not believe what they were doing. They were like, hey, we know that you've seen everything that's good about her but this is everything that's bad. This is who she really is. I was like, so she goes, they said, there's no take backs. We're not giving you a receipt. There's no place for you to go, <laughs> right? We talked about this in pre-marriage counseling, <laughs> right? You're, you, you want you're married, you're married. And this is the thing. Paul warned, Satan disguises himself. You don't know. Beware if these teachers, they look good, but they're not good. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11. He said, the Corinthian church, you've fallen lock, stock, and barrel for false things. Your worship is false. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 14 through 15, he says, And no wonder, for even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness their end will correspond to their deeds people always ask me i was like well how, what do you think about this person i said i don't know time will tell that's what it says right here because sometimes i don't know i said well yeah it looks good well let's dig a little further let's wait before we jump on the bandwagon somebody introduced to me paul tripp probably 10 years ago they didn't start using his material until about four years ago. I wanted to get to know him first. And he actually lives 
and follow Scripture. I was like, woo, finally, somebody who is authentic, I can trust. Right? Be careful. They're, they're subtle. They're deceptive. Beware, because false teachers, because their doctrine is destructive. Peter calls their teach, teaching destructive heresies. What's amazing is, did you know the word heresy originally was a neutral term? It referred to a school of thought or teaching. It was actually not a bad word. Today, when we hear heresy, we think, ooh, yuck, don't touch it. It's like manure, right? Hands off. You know, it's like, oh, don't. People come and visit, and I said, oh, don't go over here. There's manure over here. (laughs) Stay over here. We have a nice pen over here where you can see the animals. (laughs) Right? We don't want to touch. But heresy was actually a good thing in the beginning. So Peter adds a word to it and he says it's destructive heresy. Peter shows that he is talking about seriously wrong doctrine or teaching that destroys the life of church and left unchecked, it brings eternal judgment. Look at it. It says here in verse 1 that they bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. Paul takes us to the root of their heresy that they are denying Christ. They're denying, they're not mirroring the image of Christ. They're not following Christ. Their goal isn't to reflect Christ. The thing is, is that they don't, aren't submitting to the Lord. It's all about themselves. And the sad thing is, is they take millions with them. Jude 4 refers to the whole, the, the whole idea of they deny the master. In Jude verse 4, he refers to the same thing and refers to Christ. He says these false teachers were denying both the teaching of Christ and the lifestyle of Christ. Matthew 7.23, it says, talks about that they were pra- practicing lawlessness. So beware of false teachers because they are in a pr- pr- constant threat to God's people. Their methods are subtle and deceptive and their doctrine is destructive because their influence is alluring. Number four, Many will follow their sensuality. Verse 2. Hey, it looks good. It also doesn't just pass the look test. It passes the feeling test. Oh, this feels good. I like this. And it drags. That's how they use false teachers. They use not only what looks good, but they use what feels good. They focus on how you feel. They're going to they're gonna appeal to your feelings. They draw you in, and before you know it, you're trapped, and you walk away, and you don't feel good. So you go back, and you go, oh, well, I feel good there. I'm going to, right? Because there's no relationship with the Lord. There's no image of Christ. There's no talking about what Christ has done on the cross for our sins. I'm used to the cross over here. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> so, right? There's nothing about Christ. It's just about love and feeling and emotion. Feel good about yourself, they proclaim. 
Paul warned Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, he says, but understand this, in the, in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people who will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. You know who I'm talking about, right? <laughs> There's something that you can do nothing good. Right? That's unappeasable. Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's what Peter's talking about here. Many, many will follow their sensuality. Beware of false teachers because their influence is alluring. Guys, it's, it, it looks good, it feels good, doesn't mean it is good. These false teachers inevitably cater to your flesh. They do not preach against sin. They do not uh, mention divine judgment or hell. They avoid truths like deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow Christ no matter what the cost. Are you reflecting Christ? Rather, they soothe. They're really good with their words. They make you feel good. Now, I have nothing wrong with when I counsel people, I want them to know God. I want them to know what God has done for them. I want them to love God because He's the one that makes and changes and makes changes in your life. Beware. Peter gives us seven here. Can you flip to the last slide? So, where is the problem? <laughs> where is the problem? I don't know. It's a little smaller. Is it harder to see? Yeah. You know, many times when I've seen videos of wolves coming in within the sheep, you can't see them. You know why? Where do you think they put their head? What does their body look like? Yeah. You, you can miss the coloring, the markings. They all blend in. Usually they put their head down until they got you. Then the head comes up and the teeth are visible. And it's usually too late. So is there a problem? Yes, there is. Is Peter saying that this is important? Yes. Be careful of people who tell you lots of good things if it isn't grounded here. Right? God's word. God has given us everything we need. He's given us his divine nature. Do we need to feed our flesh and our emotions, our feelings? If we overfeed on sweet things, what happens? We get very sick. It was a really sad thing. I saw it. They, it the sheep died when they just they, they saw something that was good. They liked it and they kept eating. And they kept eating and they kept eating. And sad today, that's what false teachers do. They give people what they want to hear. They 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 just they subtly draw you in. Beware. Get in the word. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Beware of false teachers because they leave a trail of destruction. This is important, guys. Nothing will kill a church faster than good intentions and making each other try to, and trying to make everybody in the church feel good. We, once we start doing that, we miss the fact that we're not supposed to make everybody feel good. We're supposed to reflect Christ. Right? It is Christ who changes our lives and controls our emotions, our feelings, and He makes all things new. Beware. There are a lot of false teachers out there. I used to live right amongst the middle of one of the biggest ones right now. Not Joel Osteen. (laughs) But another one who was more subtle. Joel Osteen's just like, you know, you know the bakers? You just knew they were trouble, right? All that made up makeup and all that money they wanted. You just knew that they were trouble, right? They weren't they weren't trying to hide too well. It's amazing that people still follow them. Charlatans, we call them. Beware. They are amongst you. I guarantee that there is a false teacher that is teaching through music, through videos, through your TV, (laughs) out in the world right now that you are going to be in touch with this week. One way or the other, Satan will try to get you to believe a lie. That's not true in God's word. We're going to stop there because I don't want to rush. (laughs) And we'll we'll tackle it next week. And we're going to actually look at the different definitions and characteristic, every characteristic defined in chapter 2. So you will see. Some of them are silly and we're saying, how can I fall for that one? Trust me. I've, I've been duped even by my own animals. Right? They, they act like they love me and then they bite my hand, right? It's like they want the food. Right? Don't get between a pig and its food. Just telling you. Kedrick figured that one out. I'll never forget it in my mind. Never, I couldn't believe watching a pig pick up a kid and throw him. Not because he was mad at the kid, but he wanted that food so bad. False teachers want what you have so bad. They are trying to get joy from you. They're trying to get money from you, prestige, power, authority. Their authority that they feel they have comes from their followers, not because they're worshiping God. God.